covering a whole range of issues uh, that are topical issues for expats living and working abroad. So welcome um, uh, to us today and let's get on straight with it. <clears throat> we, um, if you've got a question um, for this event, you can leave it in the live uh, notes or you can leave it afterwards and we'll follow it up with you uh, and, 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 and give you that update in, in the weeks ahead. But what ProAct is all about is giving uh, expatriate advice for family and business that are living and working abroad. Uh, as a UK-based business, we've got expertise in the EU and around the world for those UK expats. So what we do when we do our live webinar each uh, Wednesday webinar, um, <clears throat> it's 11 o'clock UK time, we, we, we feature questions and answers and we, we, we also feature topical news uh, and subjects for expats that are living and working abroad. And uh, what we thought we'd do today is, is rather than fix on a, a particular topic, what we want to do is run through some topical news items in the show uh, and give you some food for thought uh, that can help you as an expat living and working abroad. Our first story this week is Little Paris. Uh, Little Paris is a European destination which could work very well for expats in general but at nomads in particular. We featured recently how um, in the EU uh, the Schengen zone rules apply, which applies peculiar 90 in 180 day rule, which doesn't necessarily apply in other countries around the world. Um, so when you go into the uh, uh, an EU country or into the EU Schengen zone on a visa, you can only stay for 90 days in any 180 day period. So if you're doing that as a, as a working person, um, one place to consider is Little Paris, which is Romania. Uh, Romania, the capital city of Bucharest, it's a big city, it's a traditional old European city, so you've got the architecture and the little street cafes, but you've also got the uh, internet and, and fairly low Airbnb prices. So if you don't want to be a resident, uh, you can go and have a 90-day stay in, in a, a European country like Romania, Bucharest, work from there, use a, a short-term Airbnb type of location uh, to work without becoming uh, a tax resident over there. So you don't have any uh, tax residency restrictions. You don't have a visa requirement as a UK expat. Um, you don't have a visa requirement as an EU citizen going to uh, live and work in Romania uh, because residency is not the same as tax residency. Uh, and therefore you can go and live and work there uh, for a short period of time um, and enjoy Little Paris at a, a, a slightly lit, smaller cost than the, the, the full-on um, uh, Eiffel Tower approach. For more information and guidance on uh, expat locations uh, for nomad and remote working, contact us at partnership.com. The next topic we want to look at today is uh, just a, a refresh on the EU Schengen zone. Uh, we've said recently that um, uh, residency visas are coming in in the next few uh, 
uh, are required for non-EU citizens uh, where there's no visa-free travel. But visa-free travel is also going to require electronic travel authorities uh, from 2024. Uh, again, this doesn't stop a, a nomad going about their business in the EU. What it does do is, is restrict the nomad from spending more than 90 days in uh, one EU country within a six-month period. So uh, generally, under international rules, uh, you can move from country to country for 90 days at a time. Uh, and if you've got visa-free travel, you don't necessarily need any entry visa for that period. That's under international rules. But the EU, um, they're introducing their travel authorities, which will help um, uh, implement the 9180-day rule for anyone who has got visa-free travel into the EU in the same way that um, someone who needs a Schengen visa is restricted to that 90 180-day rule as well. So as long as a, a nomad keeps working uh, and as long as they plan their EU working so that not working more than 90 days in six months in one EU country, uh, or if you need a Schengen visa more than 90 days in the EU, then it's entirely possible to keep keep moving on and 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 getting that uh, movement done. Romania, Bulgaria, and Cyprus are not in the Schengen zone yet. Uh, Cyprus completed the fifth of six stages and joined the information sharing uh, uh, system for the Schengen zone. Uh, and it could be that Bulgaria, Romania, and, and Cyprus come into the EU. Schengen zone within uh, by the end of 23 into 24 um, but the the mechanism is already in place to to enforce this uh, as soon as the rules are applied so watch out for that and any more information and guidance on the Schengen rules uh, for expats that want to nomad work around Europe contact us at projectpartnership.com the next subject we want to discuss this this week is pain in Spain, um, and it's a, it's a common theme, and it's about international driving licences. Um, if you're an EU expat relocating within the EU, you don't necessarily need to change your driving licence. Uh, so within the EU, uh, the, there isn't a compulsion to change your driving licence, so you can drive on a... Um, uh, a Greek passport in Spain or a Cyprus passport in Germany uh, without that, that need to change it. However, for countries that are outside the EU, including um, European Economic Area countries, um, so again, just to confuse matters, we talked about the Schengen zone and driving licenses. The rules are not uniform between the two. Schengen zone is about residency and visas now talking about driving licenses. So if you're coming from Norway, for example, uh, you may need to change your, your, your driving license and, and, and be able to do that. Uh, currently, the UK is not on uh, a list of EU uh, that, that's approved with the EU to, to automatically exchange a driving license. What that, what that means is that you, you 
may have to take a test, uh, both the theory test and the and the driving test again to get your pass uh, to get your driving license in your in your locality. If you're a nomad working and you're going to work at that that second location for up to ninety days, then of course you can use your your home driving license under international driving license rules. You can travel and use that that local driving license. Um, but if you're staying over ninety days, you need to then have a resident permit. Uh, to be able to use that driving license or you could use an international driving license but you have to have that issued from your home country before you leave uh, or the third version is that you have to exchange your passport within that six month period so not all countries are, um, can do that um, there are certain countries within the EU that, that can exchange that if they've got a reciprocal agreement on driving licenses which doesn't include the UK at the moment. So the pain in Spain is that the uh, post-Brexit, the Spanish are now clamping down on that. And they give a notice that from the 16th of March, 23, uh, um, the, the six month period is ticking down. So under international law, um, you're allowed to use your home passport for six months uh, your home driving license for six months in another country and then you have to change it uh, or, or transfer it. Um, EU citizens can freely change it. UK can't do that anymore. So what the Spain have done is from the 16th of March, given that UK expats living in Spain six months to change their driving license, in theory they can do that uh, with little pain, just the appropriate paperwork and, and residency permits, and 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 then they they, they would have the Spanish driving license <clears throat> uh, with no problem under EU rules. Uh, after the fifteenth of September, uh, the British expat will need to um, potentially go through a, a, a retest, including theory and driving test in Spain, to get a, a Spanish driving license if they're staying in Spain and wanted to drive for more than three months at a time. You can use an international driving license, that's another challenge, but the circumstances, uh, if you're living and working in Spain, uh, have changed and you need to consider what, what you need to do uh, to make that. Have in mind, if you haven't got a valid driving license for the country in which you're living in, you can't get uh, insurance for a car. So it's not a system that you can cheat and hope you don't get caught um, because you need to have your, your motor insurance to drive. So expats in Spain, UK expats in Spain are well advised to change the, the driving license now before it's too late. Have in mind that most driving licenses issued in the, in the last 10 years have got a limited period on them, uh, maybe 10, maybe 15 years, certainly by the age of 70. So you're going to have to change this at some time anyway. Uh, and if you've not got a valid driving license and then you're trying to, and, and in Britain, you can't renew your British driving license if you're not living in the UK. So if you're an expat, you can't renew it. So you have to then be enforced to do that in, in another country. So watch the time zones, watch the pain of that. If you relocate abroad, consider getting your driving license changed if you can getting an international driver license before you go or take your test again.
for more information and guidance on international driving license rules for expats living and working abroad, contact us at propartnership.com. In Cyprus, to change rules for driving licenses are uh, basically based upon the, the EU rules. But they've got an additional list of 17 countries which, which can exchange uh, the driving license freely, uh, including Norway, but it doesn't include the UK. So you've got international driving license rules that, that apply. And so within six months, you need to change your driving license uh, if you can uh, to avoid yourself. And without a valid driving license in the country, you cannot get motor insurance. You might be able to come, get sold a car, uh, miss the trip, they'll give you six months uh, motor insurance, but then you can't renew it uh, because your driving license is invalid. So as part of the residency permit process, once you've got your residency permit, consider changing your driving license um, in Cyprus. For more information uh, and guidance, contact us at productpartnership.com. The next area we want to look at <coughs> is um, a passport I got these really fancy titles and uh, I, I miss I misspoke my title so let me say it again <clears throat> the next next um, the next topic for today is a passport drive the driving license rules require you to change your driving license under international law with its own peculiar EU rules. And it's the same with passports. Uh, you need to be aware that when you're when a British person or anybody is traveling abroad, then you need to have at least six months remaining on your passport uh, when you travel out of the country. So even if you're going for a one or two week trip, you need to have six months remaining on your uh, uh, passport to be allowed to board and, and leave the country and the people that enforce the, the the right to board are the airlines and they may let you check in uh, they may let you um, uh, put your luggage into the hold they may let you get through to departures but they may not let you actually board on the plane and uh, if you haven't if you get to the boarding uh, gate and your passport doesn't match up uh, a Manchester guy found out recently going on his summer holidays that this can be uh, a very very difficult situation it was left that the, the, the family made the choice that the wife and children boarded and flew but his passport because there wasn't six months left on the passport he wasn't allowed to board um, and that caused a lot of uh, confusion delay and heartache for the family uh, so the, the summer holiday that they booked at the start of 23 to go to Croatia uh, was scuppered by the fact that they didn't have the proper passport. The, the airline let them check in, uh, the airport let them board, but when it came to the gate to, to get onto the plane, they're not allowed to do that. If that's ever happened to you, that you've got to the boarding gate and been dismissed, it's not a pretty experience. It's quite traumatic because you're, you're, you've gone through customs, you, you've effectively left the country. 
Um, so you've done the baggage, you've gone through passport checks and, and, and you're out of the country, you're in the duty-free zone, you've gone through the duty-free, you've had your coffee and what have you, you've gone to the gate to check in. If they refuse your boarding then, you have to be escorted off the premises. So it's not pretty to be escorted off the premises for something as trivial as uh, only six months left on your passport. Uh, an online airline check-in won't necessarily pick that up, so you need something you need to be aware of. As an EU citizen, uh, you don't travel within the EU. Um, you've got freedom of movement. You don't travel with your passport. Now, at the moment, technically, as we said earlier today, Croatia, Romania, uh, Bulgaria are outside the Schengen zone, uh, as is Ireland. But, that, but uh, it, once they're inside, once you're inside the EU, you technically don't need a passport to travel uh, uh, around that EU. So you don't need to show that. You could just use your ID card, if at all. So you're not going to be refused your boarding uh, and you're going to that freedom of movement within the EU. This is what the Schengen zone protects. So you need to bear that in mind. So the big Brexit point here for, for UK expats is that is that post Brexit um, you're no longer an EU member. So if you haven't got six months left on your passport, you will be stopped if you're trying to go to an EU country. Uh, and the the Manchester family, the father had to uh, cheat um, by uh, driving through the Channel Tunnel. They didn't stop him on his passport there. He got onto the Channel Tunnel once he was in the EU. He was able to drive borderlessly to Croatia, uh, losing a couple of days on his holiday um, uh, to, to complete that. So he did cheat his way into the EU. Once you're illegal in the EU, uh, they'll always let you back on your passport uh, with your return flight, uh, but you may face a penalty uh, or a fine uh, as they come to enforce the Schengen zone with the electronic travel authorities. So for more information and guidance on validity of passports or the need to get a residency permit to give you freedom of movement within the EU, contact us at, at productpartnership.com. So the next topic we want to discuss, uh, I've lost my running order again, is frozen state. Are you in a frozen state as an expat? Um, UK state pensions are indexed, even if a UK expat goes living and working abroad, as long as they live in a country with a reciprocal uh, pension agreement. That is not all countries. It's not all um, uh, Commonwealth countries. It's not all EU countries. Uh, it is certain countries. There needs to be a social insurance agreement uh, and one that particularly allows for a pension indexation. So it's by no means comprehensive. And some of the countries where it does work, you'll actually be bizarre. So you could be in the Philippines or Turkey, have an index pension, but that won't necessarily apply if you're in Canada uh, or Australia. So you need to be aware of which countries uh, you're going to. Uh, and your, your UK state pension might not be indexed, even if you're fully qualified. It's further complicated by the fact that Within the EU, you can only claim one state pension. So if you've got a state pension, um, uh, if you're living and working in Cyprus, you can claim a, uh, an EU 
Cyprus state pension and you, you can claim it and use the reciprocal information from all the other EU countries. Now, if you're from the EU, if you're from Denmark or Germany or France, you can only claim one state pension and that has to be claimed in the country in which you're living. So if you're living in Cyprus, but you could use your all your contributions from all your EU countries over your working period to maximise your, your Cyprus pension. If you haven't got enough years, enough qualifying years, and you're living and working in, in, and retiring in Cyprus, then you may not get a pension from them. Uh, but that's the same in your home country. You've got to have enough qualifying years for that state pension. Um, <clears throat> once that's done, you then need to consider whether it, it's going to be indexed or not. Um, so even though that we've had Brexit, UK expats can still, there's still a reciprocal agreement with the EU and the UK uh, for some benefits and for pension indexation uh, on the state pension. So that can be quite a good thing for expats to, to receive and consider. Um, so ha have a look at the situation, have a look and consider where, where you're relocating. What is your best option? Do you claim two smaller state pensions from your home country uh, and your, your resident country? Or do you claim one big one because of a reciprocal social insurance agreement in the country in which you're resident? For more information and guidance, contact us at projectpartnership.com. The next topic we want to discuss today, we've got two more uh, to go on. Uh, the next topic is the China showdown. What's the China showdown? We've all lived through COVID uh, and Brexit, and and we've seen uh, the dramatic effect that the, the the COVID lockdowns had on the world economy, uh, and and not to mention the people and 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 the lifestyles, uh, and to change the way people work. The way where people live to make living and working abroad remotely more effective for expats uh, as opposed to uh, living and working abroad remotely down the road so if you can work down the road with a good uh, airbnb and and internet why can't you work in bucharest why can't you work in cyprus why can't you work in in, in miami so th th this is the the principle uh, that, that we've established uh, the dramatic uh, business and cultural changes that we've had. But it had a big impact on inflation uh, and the economy in general. So the, there's, there's three big factors that you look at when you're looking at economic indicators. You look at inflation, you look at exports, and you look at property prices. And what we've seen recently is, is a very, very large Chinese um, uh, property builder Evergrade going to receivership and collapse effectively uh, and that's a sign uh, of what's going on in, in China. They kept their COVID lockdown for much longer than the rest of the world. Um, I don't know the precise extra time but let's say an extra year and, and so they're behind the rest of the world so all the struggles that we've had uh, they are behind that. And that in China now finding that themselves that they're in a, uh, a deflationary uh, position. And what's the difference between uh, a recession and deflation? Um, a, a bit. 
so a recession becomes a depression if it goes on for more than um, uh, uh, more than six months. If it goes if it goes on for nine months or twelve months or more, a recession becomes a depression. Deflation is something slightly differently, and the problem with the com uh, companies like Evergrade and with the China in general, you've had this. Um, uh, these companies have had this booming economy where it's been growth, 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 growth for 10, 20 years and, and nothing else, irrespective of the economic conditions in the rest of the world, pretty much like Japan did to, until the end of the 1990s when they suddenly hit in the 90s this dreadful period of, of, of stagnation and deflation. And when you get deflation, what it means is that all the money that you borrowed to do all the massive buildings of property, which they did in, in, um, in China, to build these properties that they would then sell. When you've got deflation and prices going down, you're not selling your goods and services for as much as you, you, you thought you were. So you borrowed the money at a price at $10, and now you can only sell it at the equivalent of $6. And therefore, you, you, you have to cut back and cut back and cut back um, to get more sales to pay off your debt. And that is what deflation is. It's, it's, it's a decreasing circle rather than an increasing circle where prices are going down. And so activity and expenses and spending has to go down uh, so they can meet the, the needs to repay the borrowing. Uh, and that's where China is at the moment. So it, it's a very unusual situation we've got in the world now where China um, has been a big engine of growth for the world for, for many years, but it's now a, a, a big recessionary, deflationary type of influence. Now we've got inflation in the rest of the world and the rest of the economies, which are still trying to manage uh, Britain as bad as uh, anybody. Um, so China now, the, the global economy will move over the next year to export that deflation around the world with cheap prices and cheap deals. Um, in China while their economy adjusts. And the worst case scenario is they could end up in a long standing period of stagnation like, like Japan did. So that's the way to see. So there, there is a, a bit of a, a showdown in China with the slowdown. Uh, and it's not quite a China crisis yet, uh, but you know there are big moves being made in China and it will impact everybody around the world. One thing you may be able to get is cheap property if you go and invest in China at the moment. The, uh, the final topic for today that we want to look at is, is the UK trying to curry flavor with India. Um, ever since Brexit, uh, Boris Johnson and, and now Rishi Shunak, the uh, UK Prime Minister, made a big play about getting a trade deal with with China, uh, sorry, with India. When we talk about China and India, we're talking about a third of the world's population, uh, you know, nearly 3 billion people in those two countries, both a similar sort of size, about 1.4 billion people. Um, so if, if a trade deal can be done with India as, as a country, uh, with a population of three times that of Europe, then it gives some scope uh, for UK trade 
to expand and grow post-Brexit. This is the idea of Brexit, is that the world economy is much bigger than the um, uh, Indian, um, than the European economy, and therefore there's more scope for uh, entrepreneurship, uh, uh, investment uh, and trade for it to grow with more people uh, around the world. Um, and Asia is obviously a very vibrant, dynamic, up and coming area of the world where, where the UK is trying to establish stronger uh, trading ties which were undermined during this period of EU membership. Um, the great thing that India have got is they've got a much younger population that, than China. So China's deflationary period, if, if their race is to get out of that deflation uh, before the, their population ages and they become straddled like Europe with a, a, an aged, retired, not working, not productive population. Oh. Uh, which is this, where the stagnation and, and the rigidity comes from the European Union. So this is what the advantage that India's got. There's a, a big UK-India uh, summit in September, uh, and it could possibly lead to the trade deal being signed. We will see. And that will be a great way to open up opportunities for business and expats to trade together. Uh, UK expats moving into India to do more business, but also Indian expats coming to the UK uh, to work. Uh, one of the key areas that still need to resolve is, is free is movement of people. And, and the Indians looking for more flexibility, more freedoms for Indians to come and work in the UK um, uh, with visas. The UK is, is as restrictive as the EU for letting people in at the moment. You need to be able to establish an income of, of uh, a, an employment to be able to come and work from out, uh, outside the UK, uh, you know, of um, uh, 18, 25,000 or, or more uh, to actually get your foothold in the UK. So you know, there are those demands. And uh, are you going to let that talent come from India? This is the question that uh, is sticking for the Indians. And we'll look forward to see if we get that resolution and open up that that continent for the UK and uh, India to, to start trading again and, and working together uh, to build a, a platform of business uh, into the second half of the uh, 20, 21st century. So um, that's it for today. Um, we've covered our topics, what, we, what we've done is we've said that um, nomads that want to live and work abroad, uh, you don't have to stick to an EU location like headline like Paris. There's there's little Paris uh, in Bucharest which, which has got charm and affordability around that. But the EU Schengen drone uh, holds you down to and restricts you to 90 and 180 days in any six month period. There's pain in Spain uh, where post-Brexit uh, uh, rule changes uh, mean that uh, UK expats are being forced to uh, change their uh, driving licence now 
under EU rules or have to do it under post-EU rules in the future, uh, which means it would need residency and need to do uh, the exchange within three months if, if that country permits it. So there's big changes that could be paid there. So some pain in Spain. Uh, the uh, EU drive uh, to, to enforce the Schengen zone and the 19 180-day rule uh, for people living and working abroad uh, works great for, for nomads. But if you want to have anything beyond 80 days in country, then you do need to have um, a residency permit. And for more information and guidance on that, you can contact us at productpartnership.com. We said that there's um, a, a, a frozen state pension. Um, expat pensions are being frozen out uh, with, with pensions that, that are crushing uh, living and working abroad. But also, um, uh, travellers, when you're travelling abroad, uh, your passport needs to have at least six months before you, before you start travelling. So uh, you travel abroad, your driving license will last up to six months, but generally it, any 90-day short trip, your driving license will, will work, but you have to change it within six months, generally. Uh, a passport, you've got to have six months left on it after you return. Otherwise, you might get stopped to check-in and, and have to be kicked out of the airport. Uh, so think about that. On a wider scale, economically, globally, um, there's a China showdown as they go into uh, a, a recession, which could become a depression or a, an extended deflationary period, which will have a knock-on effect around the world. And it could end up balancing all the excesses post-COVID and post-Brexit. Uh, and we just have to wait and see on that. Um, but meanwhile, uh, post-Brexit, the British um, Indian summit in September it could make some significant progress towards uh, a post-Brexit trade deal, uh, which would open up the, the British trading market with the Indian uh, 1.4 billion population uh, to allow more freedom of movement uh, for expat family and business that want to live and work abroad. Um, I hope you found it interesting today. Uh, thanks a lot for listening. If you've got more questions, um, ask us either... I haven't got any questions at the moment, but you can ask them uh, in the notes below this uh, video that you're watching now, or you can uh, email us at contact us at productpartnership.com. So Product Partnership, contact us, and, and you can give us your uh, questions, and we offer a free review and guidance for expats living and working abroad. Um, and you can also subscribe, and we offer online advice and guidance as well as tax returns and reports for expats living and working abroad. Thanks a lot for listening and we'll see you again next time. <music>